Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast. You need a sense of urgency to fire a head coach, and the Cardinals simply don't have it. They haven't had a sense of urgency since they were blown out of a first-round playoff game in 2021. And I really hope the owner has a good reason for the most surprising, unnerving, alarming season he has had at the helm of this football team. But let's be real here. It's over for Cliff Kingsbury. All that's left is the expiration date, because while he still has time and while he's still has his job. He has nothing left to give. In hindsight, that became evident the moment he ran that trick play against the Seahawks, and Kyler Murray was right. It was the same trick play they ran in L.A. during that playoff game when Kingsbury tipped his desperate hand for the world to see. On that play, Christian Kirk operated about as well as you could ever expect from a wide receiver playing quarterback, but even he couldn't throw the ball backward without getting flagged. And yet, Kingsbury actually kept that play in the playbook for another day. And even worse, he felt compelled to roll it out against the Seahawks, a team he was actually favored to beat, and it failed more dramatically than it did in L.A. Now, there is so much wrong with this offense, with their lack of discipline, with their lack of basics. Even yesterday, I heard Gambo give the team credit for getting through a game without burning timeouts. That, folks, is how far we've fallen. And if that passes for progress in the middle of year four, then get in a lifeboat fast because the water is getting pretty deep in here. Or let me clarify, something is getting pretty deep in here. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable with two great locations. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I mean, all of us are frustrated with with that. Um, You know, little things piece of it uh the effort like i said you you can never knock the effort when you watch our teams play they're they're giving everything they got but critical times critical errors continue to show up and that's something at some point we've got to figure out before um you know it's too late i I don't think we've shown what we can be and i I think our team understands that but we gotta we gotta find a way to get it cleaned up cliff kingsbury yesterday uh head coach of the cardinals addressing the media after the loss uh to the seattle seahawks on sunday that's another thing that gets spouted a lot these days team continues to play hard Mm -hmm. that is uh hey look they haven't quit yet they're still playing hard still playing hard to me that's a sign when you acknowledge that repeatedly that's a sign of just how bad things are yeah because that's all you have left is is the fact that the team is still fighting him and to his credit they are Uh, because i do think that uh, on a very basic level this is not a football team that doesn't like its head coach it's a football team i would think that would very much like the cushy conditions of 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 what it's like in this football team, and and you heard it from Kyle Vandenbosch yesterday, who has said it repeat, uh, a couple of times in this program yeah. that it just doesn't make sense to rely on better execution and practice as your way out of this, and yet not really even practice and give veterans days off and do walk through Wednesdays and you know take thirty minutes off of practice on Thursday and cancel a dual practice with the Titans when you had a couple of them scheduled. It's it's just it's a very and then you throw in the fact that the health issues this team has had, whatever whatever this team decided to do to keep its team healthy has backfired dramatically. Yeah, I mean, and, and people will say, all right, that's a reaction to you know, backing off because the injury report has been so lengthy all season long. You back off on, on the practice and the physicality and practice because you want to avoid adding to that list. But it, it's a chicken and egg kind of thing. 
Did the did the casual approach to training camp and the and the joint practices and the physicality in the preseason mm-hmm. did that lead to this long injury report? I, we don't know the answer to that. Yep. So the injury yeah. report was long going into week one. They've had a longer injury report pretty much every week than their opponent. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So what this team gives this head coach going forward is going to be really fascinating, not because this will be a football team looking to fire its head coach. I don't think that dynamic is in play here. I don't think anybody in that room has a bad feeling for their head coach. Like, for instance, if you were playing in Jacksonville last year for Urban Meyer, oh, yeah. you might want him fired. And if you were playing for well, Buddy you might Ryan, have got If you were playing for Urban Meyer last year, you might have got kicked by him, too. You might have got kicked by him as well. Yeah, so I mean, so there are those dynamics when a head coach loses his football team it's not always pretty and and very frequently it's about a team that just does not vibe with with heavy-handed tactics or or bad communication or uh, many things that can bring down a coach uh, that's uh, that is not in play with Cliff Kingsbury but what is in play is the lack of answers the lack of belief because let's be honest here when we talk about lack of belief that was the first thing that jumped off the field to me last year in the playoff game in Los Angeles was a football team that took the field for what should have been their crowning moment and nobody on that team thought they had a chance and you could see it you can feel it it was evident in their play and it was one of those rare games where it just got worse as the game went and on. it was that very game in which Cliff Kingsbury rolled out that trick play that we saw again yesterday which is uh, funny because we were talking about that play and we broke it down in great detail about just the the, the weirdness of the design or the expectation of a play like that to to have a wide receiver throw the ball across the field laterally or behind the line of scrimmage is just asking him to do a lot mm-hmm. and i i pointed out the fact that why do you start in the shotgun because your wide receiver is basically going to, you know, if it's going to be a backwards pass or if it needs to be a backwards pass first, which I think is the way it should operate, mm-hmm. it's a it's a difficult play to to pull off. Right. We got a video of the Minnesota Vikings pulling off that very play. Yeah. And, and if you go... Cousins to Justin Jefferson, who sprinted from right. the line of scrimmage yep. back five steps to make sure it was a backward pass. But if you, if, you, if you take a look at the play they tried to run in the playoff game when Christian Kirk threw it to James Conner, Christian Kirk was trying to throw the ball backwards. So Kyler Murray was accurate when he said that Greg Dorch needed to throw the ball backwards. What I'm saying is it is such a hard act that it failed the first time you tried to do it, and Christian Kirk actually had some quarterbacking skill. Yeah, um, so I'm going to speak for everybody here. Hmm. In 10 games, they've tried that twice, and both times it's been penalized. It's a hard play to pull off. Yeah, delete, del- delete that that's one. That's my point. Yeah. So I, I don't know why you would even come out of that playoff game in L.A. going, let's let's keep that. Let's let's try that. Let's run that back somewhere down the road. And and it was a sign of desperation in that L.A. game. And maybe Cliff was like third and eighteen. What the heck? Okay, I, I buy that. But it just feels like just if weird. you're throwing two passes to get the ball back to where you started. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a well played. And, and not only like, that, uh, like trick that. plays are supposed to, you know, go way down the field like that. Not only that, uh, the, the the Seahawks and all NFL defenses they have too much speed for that kind of stuff to work anymore. Yes, but to Jarrett's point, he's so right. What have we also criticized this offense for? Is seeking first downs as opposed to stretching the field for touchdowns, right? And I brought up these numbers earlier, um, you know, about the, the the number of passes behind the line of scrimmage. So there's been uh, 13 passes this year by Kyler Murray that have gained no that have been completed for no yards 
or negative yards. Mm-hmm. They've had uh, five that have gained more than 30. Zero and negative is outweighing the 30-yard gains. That's, that's something. And on that particular failed trick play, again, had it been not penalized, they needed 17 yards, they got 18. That play was designed to get a first down. Mm-hmm. That much work. <laughs> you ever play the board game Mousetrap, Bick? I do. Yeah, I remember that game. Mousetrap was a game that if you're a kid of a certain person of a certain age, you're, you're nodding your head in agreement. It took six years to build the board to play Mousetrap. Mm-hmm. And then the actual game was very underwhelming. That play was the football version of the board game Mousetrap. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a very fun. Yeah, that's a good analogy. And there were no winners, just yeah, like no. in Mousetrap. And it's just, so again, it, it's it, I, I don't understand why in these third and, and forever situations they just don't throw a fifty fifty ball to D Hop. I really I, I don't I don't get why they don't. I, I, now Cliff Kingsbury keeps talking about it, and this is a, a specific instance, and maybe we can get back to this, Bick. I think this is where. It's a failure on the quarterback. I think Kyler Murray is very hesitant to throw the ball down the field for whatever reason. Okay. Because it could be picks. Mm-hmm. It could be his completion percentage, uh, which is way down already. It could mm-hmm. be that. Maybe he doesn't uh, see down the field Maybe that well. he can't see down the field, although he's had success throwing deep balls in the past, and I don't think he's gotten any shorter. Well, <laughs> I, no, I don't no, know. listen. He, uh, it wasn't that long ago when, when the Cardinals were raving and touting him as the most accurate deep ball passer in the game, or one of. So he's got the ability to do it, so why isn't he doing it? Is there an injury issue we don't know with him? Is there an arm issue with him? Well, if, if that's the case, then then it, it, why are you even playing the guy if he, if he can't get the ball down the field? Yeah. There's nothing about him throwing the ball that suggests he's got some some real serious issue or restriction throwing I agree. it. I think it's, it's all upstairs. Yeah, I don't know. Well, then, then whether then, yeah, it's vision just, or or uh, you know psychological. Yeah. Well, and I think I think also I think the issue. Is is on these third and longs? Kyler Murray has come to expect the house coming at him, yes. and he's not he's not in the, the the mindset to to deliver those kind of passes. That listen, let's be clear here: this isn't just a Cliff Kingsbury issue. This no. is a Kyler Murray issue as well. But Cliff Kingsbury is the guy that has to develop him, and he's failing. That that is to me the bottom line here. It's not that I want Cliff Kingsbury fired per se because he's Cliff Kingsbury. It's because they need to get this quarterback right, yes. and they need to get him right starting immediately. So we talk about accountability. If yeah. that's the case, what we just outlined is the case. Does Cliff Kingsbury come out and say Kyler Murray needs to throw the ball down the field? The routes are there. He's just not doing it. Uh huh. Is that accountable or is that throwing under the bus? Well, I. I uh, I, I think it's holding him accountable is what I think. I think there's a level of it that you have to do. I mean, it's it. How how often did Bruce Arians criticize Tom Brady? A lot. Yeah, yeah. And they won a Super Bowl. Speaking of Bruce Arians, man, we went from no risk it, no biscuit to just no risk it. Yeah. I, and and no he, biscuit. Yeah, and he no definitely biscuit. doesn't eat carbs. Are you serious? Yeah, I. I mean, with abs like that, he hasn't had a carb since like 1998. But still, Jerry, you like I biscuits go, with a good sausage oh, gravy? Oh, oh. You know what's not? not? When you were mentioning the game Mousetrap, I wondered to myself, I wonder if cheese is involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the play, guys. Ready? Everybody, here's the play. You turn the crank and snap the plank and knock the ball in the rub-a-dub tub, which flips the man into the pan. The trap is set. Here comes the net. <laughs> Mousetrap. Well done, Jared. What, what was that? He looked up. That, that, was, was, that was their commercial, and, yeah. right? Yeah. I didn't look that up. Oh. I remember that. Do you really? And I don't love biscuits, believe it or not. Oh, 
Give them to me. Biscuits give me heartburn. Uh, coming up next, we've got a timetable on the Cam Johnson return. That and more Suns Talk straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Here is a jump shot by DeAndre Ayton, and he knocks down another outside hoop. Suns may have to take a foul. Cam Johnson's uh, got a hitch in his giddy-up. He may take it right there to get a substitute in the game. Yeah, he's kind of jumping off. We get a timeout here. That was uh, last Friday night with Al McCoy and Tim Kempton on the call, and yeah, it turned out uh, it was not just a hitch in the giddy-up. It was a torn meniscus, and now we've got a further update on the condition of Cam uh, Johnson. Johnson? <laughs> that, that was even un, un, unintentional. Brian Windhorst from ESPN. Brian Windhorst? Windhorst? Why would they do that? <laughs> Cam Johnson? <laughs> Uh, Suns forward Cam Johnson had surgery that uh, removed part of his meniscus, a procedure that should allow him to return in one to two months, sources told ESPN. Okay. All right, so so the, he's taking the short route, which is interesting. Yeah, um, part of the meniscus as opposed to the full surgery, yep. which can be up to a six-month, yep. and that would have wiped out the season it for, for Cam Johnson. It would have, and it's it's a difficult thing for a young man because he is now effectively in a contract year. So yes. so he, so all this has been kind of, have it's, it's had a swirl through his head. What is my best play here? Because at this point in time, um, when, when the Suns decided to not pay him going into this season, then then it, that really made Cam Johnson's probably his number one priority outside of his role on the team. It's to, you know, positioning himself for that payday the Suns did not give him yes. at that time. And Cam Johnson said all the right things publicly. Oh, yeah. All of his oh, teammates yeah. said the right things publicly. Hey, it's not that important to him. It's important, but it's not the most important thing. But there's still an element of betting on yourself when you when that Without happens to you. And, yeah. and, you know, the way this season has started on the injury front for Cam Johnson, it's like, wow, what did he do to mess and mess with the basketball guys? Well, because and, apparently he's tempted something. Yeah, and and you hope it's not, it's not just something that's going to be, you know, part of his, his narrative, part of his career, because I've seen mm-hmm. some people worry about that as well. And some so, guys that does follow around. Yeah, no, I know, I know. But so not horrible news. Well, no, no, no. That's I think I think that's actually opti- That's good news if this works out for Cam Johnson, and in terms of him being, you know, fully explosive and feeling good about playing the way he's got to play, because one of the things that was required of him with the starting job and the starting lineup is to play a more physical brand of defense to, mm-hmm. to defend the position better and I think he'd been doing a good job of that it's, I agree you know anybody who's had any knee surgeries or knee procedures you know there there's a huge level of trust involved and it's it's a, you, you just can't get over it because when you tear your meniscus what happens is because I've done that you get the clickety click with each step and you're like okay I've never felt that before and that is not good and then it's just a matter of minutes if not hours until the swelling begins and then it's then and then it's all now you're on the path to rehab and right. getting better. And then once you get there, letting it loose and letting it rip, that's I can imagine how hard that must be for every professional athlete. Well, let's use use the example. No, mm. that's not. <laughs> how I, explosive are you right no, now, let, Vic? That's but see, okay. Listen, again, and, and uh, I am I am reticent to go out and play tennis again. I'm scared to do that. 
Yeah. So that's so that's a very basic thing. But uh, I'm not an elite level athlete. What 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 the stress Cam Johnson's got to put on his knee is going to be significant. Yes, yes. So so I hope I hope he's cool when he comes back. I hope that it doesn't mess with him because he's he's taken the short route. One thing to remember though is professional athletes get the best possible care. Unlike us regular schlubs, well, that is true. Roll dice that and cross is, fingers that, that things is, are going to well, get back to normal. Well, and I'm sure we'll see it on the court too. Oh. It's going to take him a little while to get back to full. Well, speed. even, even last year, I was going to say, even when he came back last year, he never really got back to like how he was before. You know, going up to the injury. That is true. Uh, Bick, for for you and your reticence to play tennis again, I got one word. Pickleball, for you. baby. Pickleball. I, I know. I know what you're telling me. That is the word. I know what you're telling me. But see, the difference is, is that a guy like Cam Johnson, there. Uh, Dudes like me and you, you, you get something like that done. It, rehab, it just—it's so monotonous and painful and uh-huh. and taxing. Uh-huh. After a while, you're like, yeah, forget this. Ham Johnson. And there's also not like twenty million dollars at the end of the road, right? For and, any and, of us, and if a, we pro a-, a pro athlete, you're gonna be you're gonna be in your training room. You're gonna have people telling you and instructing you and helping you. And, and so so no rehab, um, no rehab assignments. You, you can't put it off as easy as people like you and me can. No, it's so true. And the older you get, oh my God, so depressing. Yeah. I remember getting, getting my hip worked on when I was going through the rehab. Mm-hmm. And they stretched me into positions. I was practically in tears. It hurt so bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you've got to be, you've really got to be full on committed to, uh, to rehab a, 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 a ligament. Cost me my ability to dunk. <laughs> <laughs> but enough, but enough I about bet. Nerf basketball. Oh! No, Bam! I, I'm a shooter. I, I still dunk Oreos with the best of them. I'm a shooter. <laughs> right. A shooter. Double stuff, baby. Or wait, no. Is it mega stuff? Mega stuff. Mega stuff. Only because they, you know, the, the most stuff is a limited edition Oreo. Gosh. <laughs> it's kind of like the Oreo why edition of the McRib. So <laughs> why don't they just sell a jar of the stuff? Ooh! And then you could dip just cookies in it. You could eat it with a spoon or put it on other things. That. I said it on the air. I own it now. Jarrett. <laughs> you can't steal it. <laughs> you have said works. a lot of dumb things in your career on this show. And that was one of them. That was a brilliant idea. <laughs> I don't know about that. Just the Oreo whatever. cookie, like the cracker part, and you just, oh my Your go- arteries are screaming. I, I gotta go home. <laughs> uh, Cam Johnson, not the only injury the Suns are dealing with right now. Uh, it looked like uh, they were going to have a run of bad luck. Chris Paul left last night's game in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Heel soreness. He said he was being cautious, but also said if he could have played, he would have. So I yeah, uh, so take that for what it yeah, is. I don't know what you take out of then that. Then DeAndre Ayton leaves, uh, goes back to the locker room. After, you know, tweaking that ankle again, and you're like, oh, man, again, wondering who pissed off the basketball gods. Mm-hmm. But Aiton came back, and it looks like Paul's injury won't be that uh, that severe. Uh, I'm hoping you're right on the ladder. Yeah. And, but I'm also hoping that D.A. D- doesn't have any more nights like last night. This is this yeah. is everything he says he wants is right here in front of him. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and he said he wanted that second contract. He got the second contract. Mm-hmm. He said that very early he in his did. career and kind of raised people's eyebrows. But I was thinking about you last night because we haven't talked well, about it very much. No. Not even this year at all. But 
He looked like the worst version of DeAndre Ayton last night. Listen, there was a time, you know, there was a time when he would make me visibly angry. That was before the postseason two years ago. Um, but last night, the, the the level of softness, the lay-ins, you know how it drives me nuts. And, and it's, listen, I know there's a, a the young basketball guys, the analytics guys, the Kellen Olsons of the world. I know they think it's ludicrous that dunks matter more than layups. But if you live through Amari Stoudemire... There's no explanation necessary. Yeah, that, that is true. What it does for your team, what it does for the, energy, the psyche of your no. opponent. Hey, do I want to try to block this guy's shot? No. And have my hand taken off? DA last year during the playoffs, when when things were getting nuts in Dallas in Game 6, he went up with a two-handed slam and elbowed, I forget who it was. It was it was the hoe. Was, it was Luca. It was Luca. <laughs> it was Ho You Fat. He elbowed Ho You Fat, and and I uh, my jaw dropped, and I'm like that, that right there, bottle that. By the way, Luca's up to nine straight with thirty or more. That play, that DA when he Do dunked on Luca and elbowed him, I'm like, that is, that's your ticket to start him right there. I know. Just be that guy. They waved off the basket though. Do you ever notice DA's? Or DA's got three first names. His second middle name is Chidike, and if you put an L right in there, that name becomes childlike. Oh. <sighs> Mind blown. Isn't that perfect for I... DA? I had no idea. Yeah, it's a that's a yeah, a little bit of wow. <laughs> needless information. <laughs> you know, that's my favorite kind of information, Vic. Text you de- two L's in there. Text yeah, that's devils. what I mean. Two L's, two L's. Right. Uh, Pat, is there an L? There are two L's. Yeah. Uh, text Devils to six twenty six twenty for your chance to win uh, VIP field and tailgate passes to see ASU take on the Oregon State Beavers, courtesy of Bar S. Once again, that's Devils to 620-620. Coming up next, our weekly visit with the one and only Shane Doan is straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Don't score! Doan. Shane Doan got a piece of it. I think this goal is going to go to the captain. Captain Coyote. Shane Doan sends a one-hopper on that. He scores! The captain. Coyote's legend Shane Doan. Up early to talk Coyote's hockey with Bickley and Murata. Shot by Shane Doan. He scores! Every Tuesday morning, we talk to the Arizona Coyotes Chief Hockey Development Officer, the legendary Shane Doan. And he joins us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Donor. How are you? I'm very good. How are you doing? We're doing good. Um, I'm trying to picture what it would be like to be in going into game two of a 14-game road trip <laughs> as an NHL player. Um, look, Unique circumstances, I get it, but I mean, can you relate at all? What was the longest road trip you were ever on in in, in your NHL career? The longest I went on, I think we did a nine one time, which was crazy. There was something going on in uh, uh, at the R Arena, and so it, it ended up being a nine game one, which was good and bad because it, it, when you do when you do something like that, it does make it so that you have a a good stretch later on in the year, and that's the only way you can kind of get past yeah. it is be like, all right, well, if I can look at this on a positive, at some point we're going to reap the rewards of being willing to be on the road for this much time. Right, I'm going to grind gears on you, Donor. I'm going to give you a big props because yep. on Saturday you and I were both part of the polo party at Westworld. In fact, you actually <laughs> were horse 
back, and you were actually playing <laughs> polo. And for listen, but I want to tell this to listeners: Donor showed up early in the morning because because he was worried about knowing all the rules and kind of seeing what uh, an actual polo match looks like in person. So you put a lot of time into making sure you didn't embarrass yourself on horseback. Well, I just, I wanted to know the rules. I wanted to get the rules and understand it because there's like lines in the way that you do things and you have to make sure that you stay in those lines and in those lanes. And, and I didn't understand it totally. And so, yeah, to watch it actually play live was probably the best way. Bit, and so I figured I'd sit and watch for a little while. You did a great job. That was impressive. Oh, what an you, event man. that is. Like it's it's crazy how many people show up and the people watching at the thing oh, is unbelievable. <laughs> it's so a funny. freak show. I, I asked I asked Dick how it went and that was the next thing I brought up. I was like, you had, it had to be some great people watching out there. Oh, it's 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 insane. So it's how, absolutely insane. How was your polo game? Did you dominate? No, I did not dominate, but I didn't fall off my horse. I That's stayed good. upright the whole time, and you know what? It was I, I was okay if I could ride on to the ball. That I was okay with. What I really, really, really struggled with was the fact that a couple times it got passed directly into my horse and into me, and it was almost like if you're playing baseball, if you kind of get ate up by a by a ground ball where you, mm-hmm. you can't get comfortable and the ball's coming at you and you're right. like, ah, I can't, I can't get, I can't play this the way I want to play it. And that was, I struggled with that. But the guys I played with, the Diego Martinez, they were unbelievable and I had a blast. Yeah, it was, cool. totally no, it was cool. great. The donor was in the full get up, the full uniform. You'd have been proud of him, man. He, he, <laughs> he represented him well. Uh, we're talking with the elite. <laughs> Ahoy, Poloy. <laughs> talking to Shane. Oh, hi, bro. Yeah, yeah, I'll buy it. Talking to Shane Don as we do on Tuesday mornings. I want to go back to the road trip yeah. um, because, uh, again, we talked about unique circumstances with the Coyotes' home arena front. 14 on this road trip. There was six to begin the year. Is this something that the NHL has let the Coyotes organization know that due to those challenges is going to be a regular occurrence for the three years at Mullet Arena? No, no, that is not going to be the way it normally goes. Okay. It's just this year as we, the annex that we're going to use as our dressing room and the visiting team dressing room isn't done. And as it gets done, it'll be, we'll return to normal. But gotcha. and, uh, they, they did, um, for the first four games, the visiting team was in kind of like a pipe and drape in the, in the back. And then our team was in the visitor dressing room for ASU. So it's, it's not ready and it wasn't the way it wanted. We wanted it, but at the same time, uh, they're making it do. It, uh, the Islanders did something similar last year. Mm-hmm. They went, I think, two and fourteen to start. So Oof. we're hoping to avoid doing that. Yeah, uh, I guess. Um, yeah. No, I was going to say. I, I guess. I guess the schedule. The next three games. There's not a ton of traveling. You're playing Buffalo, the Islanders, and the Devils. So you're kind of in, in the same area. But how how do, how do you as a player? How do you get through? How do you compartmentalize? Is it just like you said? Is it looking forward down the road? Because I would imagine. I don't know how many guys have families on the team. I'm guessing probably not as much as some of the veteran teams you've had in the past. But that's 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 very taxing. It is, it is, and it's one of those things that as a as a player, yeah, you, you try to find whatever you can to convince yourself that this is going to be okay in the end, and that's something that uh, it is. You look at it, you know, well, uh, in February and March, we're going to reap the, re- <clears throat> reap the rewards of this, and that's 
that's the way you kind of look at it. It's nice when you win the first one. Yeah, you're winning that right, first good, one, right. they like it may, it's like oh, this isn't as bad, you know. <laughs> yeah. The guys went to the they went to the Washington uh, Commanders game last night and or yesterday, so they got the oh, okay. they played Saturday and then we play tonight, so uh, we had a couple days off, wow. so. Um, they went to the commanders game and everyone was there and they had a good time. So we're trying to make it so that it's at least manageable, but it is tough. You know, one thing I do like about this, because some of the reaction in the D.C. media to the Capitals losing to the Coyotes, they're taking a lot of grief to losing to the Coyotes. And I'm sensing a pattern here. And it's it's almost like teams are 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 getting this. This happened with the Maple Leafs, too, in Toronto. Teams are getting an earful for losing to the Coyotes just for this perception that's that's attached to him for playing in a college re- arena, and and that that to me, if I were on the Coyotes, I'd be vibing on that. A hundred percent. And Andre, T- I mean, I can't speak highly enough of the way he is as a coach. Like I really like, I can't stress how good that guy is as a coach. He is. Uh, he's elite, and uh, the one thing he's going to have is his group believing and playing at their best. And if you take a little, if you take opposing team, it will because he has them so geared up and so ready to play. And and he's huge on team commu- like camaraderie and getting guys close and bringing guys together. And um, it's it's impressive to watch. And because of that. We go into a building like you know, Washington or Toronto, like you said, and beat them. And people, wait a minute, what just happened? And uh, <laughs> yeah. you, get out, right. you get out before they even realize. Yeah, right. So, uh, it's good. Hey, that's something the Coyotes can take advantage of when teams consider circumstances as opposed to the guys uh, wearing the uniforms. They can get bit like that. So I think that's something the Coyotes yeah. can capitalize on. Yeah, no and, and, and that's... That's huge for us. We have to, and and I, and I, it, that might not happen all year. So when it's happening early, got to take advantage of it. Yeah. So um, teams will wake up, though I think, and we're going to have to make sure we get better too. Yep, uh, donor. Always good to talk to you. It hasn't happened in a while, yeah. but I'm glad that your cell phone is back in its uh, in, it, in its classic form. Uh, that's I didn't say that. He said that, donor. <laughs> See, Vinny, I thought it was just you guys on your end. I'm like, wait, how am I losing this? I got the Wi-Fi going. I got everything going. This doesn't make any sense. I think it's Jared's fault. Somehow he messed it up. He hasn't been able to jerk me in the last little bit, so now he's got something to make fun of me about. Go ahead, Jared. No, it's his cell phone is inconsistent, spotty, doesn't come through it's when legendary. you need it. Well, yeah, he's a, he's a man of the people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's 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 always been donor's vibe. I know. You know what? It's it's the location of where I talk on the cell that's phone. Right. Yep. It's it's my my house has no well, so spacious. I'm sure. No, <laughs> You're on the Dutton Ranch right which, now. Which know. wing are you yeah. on? And <laughs> which wing are you on? Yeah. <laughs> All right, donor. Again. See, so, see, I'll see you guys. See yeah. you, Shane. Yeah. Next week from Don Manor. See you, Shane. Have a good week, Shane. We'll talk to you next week. Shane Doan, the uh, Coyotes Chief Hockey Development Officer, joins us on Tuesday mornings. Uh, coming up next, the Los Angeles Rams and Arizona Cardinals who meet on Sunday are in very similar circumstances, but they're handling their circumstances very differently, at least verbally. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and
Hawkins Murata. Ripley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. I wouldn't say solace. I just think you understand, um, you know, sometimes it is a battle of attrition and you got to find ways to, to win games no matter what. Um, and and it's, it's a tough league and um, it's part of our job to figure out how to maximize the guys we got out there. Changes have to be made. Adjustments have to be made. Um, we can't continue to go on like this. And, um, you know, what that looks like, I don't necessarily have the exact answers right now. Um, you know, and what I don't want to have anything be misunderstood is that I'm not in this with those guys. I'm a big part of this. I have to do better. Um, we're going to stay connected throughout this, but we do have to be able to look inward and, and figure out what are some of the solutions, changes, adjustments, different things that we have to do to be able to get different results and different production from our offense. Cliff Kingsbury, then Sean McVay, they will go at it again. Uh, Sunday, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, another NFC West team going for a season sweep of the Cardinals. Seahawks got the sweep on Sunday. Um, this is one of those games. Last week we talked about it. It seemed like a must win for the Cardinals. I am of the, the viewpoint that when you label something as a must win and you get agreement from most people and you lose the game, you blew your opportunity. Yeah. You can't keep delaying and pushing back on the calendar. <laughs> no, right, next well, week's actually the must one. win. Now I really mean it. This yeah. is a must uh-huh. win. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, the, the Cardinals can win this game maybe, and uh, I, I don't think it fixes everything. But I'm, I'm curious to get yeah. your thoughts, Bick. Um, you know, the, the question that was asked to Cliff Kingsbury uh, that he answered on that soundbite I thought was interesting. Do you take solace in the fact that the Rams are struggling too? To me, the answer on that is, I don't care about the Rams' struggles. I'm worried about our struggles. Which I know Cliff Kingsbury is. Yeah. But... Uh, he kind of he, he kind of went big picture and, and painted that picture. All teams go through struggles, and we all have to figure out what's going on. And, and that well, is definitely the case. These are two teams that have lost their way right now. Yeah, but I think I think the expectations and the goals for the season are dramatically different uh, between these two teams. I don't think for a minute the Rams are looking at themselves, going, "Oh man, uh, do, are we really a playoff team?" I think they're uh, they're at a they're at a boiling point. In fact, Jalen Ramsey going <laughs> off after the game game basically criticizing the offense in no uncertain terms. Yep, here it is. We have so many games where the defense will get a stop and then we'll go to the sideline and they'll be like, y'all stay locked in. Y'all stay locked in so we y'all don't have to go back out there again. Like it shouldn't be like that. We gotta have some dogs who are gonna be like close this out. We gonna close this Oh. Yeah, and and so and that that basically was a function of the Rams could have run out the clock in that game against Tampa and they didn't, and the defense had to go back on the field and they and they got got by Tom Brady and Jalen Ramsey is a very fiery player, but there's a do you hear anybody on the Cardinals talking like that about the Cardinals offense? No, 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 no. that hasn't reached that point. No, yet. and and so listen. I, I, I had a, I didn't have a feeling, but I, but I've talked a lot about this. The Super Bowl hangover is very, very real, and in a city like L.A., where yeah, I mean, you saw those championship rings. How it, it's not easy to get in the present, especially in a sport like football. Because in basketball, you win a championship, you can just slow roll your way to January first, maybe February first. It doesn't really matter. Football, you can't. Football, you've got seventeen games, yeah. and every one of them takes a Herculean effort to win it, and if you've just won a championship, you can't get your intensity there. Yeah, but I'm glad you went down this road about the Super Bowl hangover, 
because there are similarities to the Cardinals situation and the Rams situation. Two teams with varying degrees of expectations put on them this year. The Rams because they won the Super Bowl. The Cardinals because they were in the playoffs last year and won 11 games. They've both fallen way short to this point. The reasons are similar as well. Offensive line issues at the forefront for, for both of these teams. But here's where I think it differs. The, you're right. The Rams are dealing with the Super Bowl hangover. And if they don't make the playoffs, that's a massive disappointment for for a team to win a Super Bowl. But for the guys who failed to meet the expectations, that Super Bowl ring, hey, we just did it last year. It's real hard to get back. No, I know. I'm I'm satisfied by the fact, to a degree, that we got this ring. The Cardinals don't have that. No. The Cardinals are are coming off of a postseason exit last year that was handed to them by the Rams. That was among the worst performances in this franchise's history since they moved here. The Cardinals are acting like the act of making the playoffs was equivalent of winning a Super Bowl. They're acting acting like the act of making the playoffs absolves them from anything that may or may not Uh happen this year. Like Like it was some plateau they had to reach to make the owner think that, oh, everything is great with this crew. Let's just run it with this crew forever. I it's insane to me but it it's this is this is the fact of the matter so I think that um so the Cardinals Cardinals are going to have to match the Rams desperation and I'm not sure they got it in them right now no because it, you know, this this shapes up with two struggling offenses to be a play that comes down or a game that comes down to one or two plays and when you're lining up with the interior of your offensive line, now featuring a rookie in there, a guy who wasn't here a month ago in Billy Price, um, you know, and you're going against the premier defensive tackle well, in all of football, there, there's that Aaron guy. Donald could very well be the difference in making that one play that swings the game. The okay, Rams so, offense stinks right so now. So Aaron Donald going up against Lasita Smith and Billy Price. Mm-hmm. And then Jalen Ramsey pretty much... And Cody Ford. Him too. Jalen Ramsey pretty much nullifies DeAndre Hopkins most. uh, Neither one gets the best of the other, but neither one really has much impact on a game. They just basically cancel themselves out, which is a loss for the Cardinals. I mean, by Sunday, Robbie Anderson will have been here for almost a month. Will he have a? Will he be a factor in this game? That's a great question. Yeah. Uh, no. I yeah. That's. I think that's probably the answer. I. I do think though. I. I do think it's. It's really going to come down to this whole idea. The Cardinals have rallied around the road before. They've played well on the road before. But it just how much internal belief do they have after that Seahawks game? That Seahawks game laid bare for everybody just how how much regression has taken place, not just with the quarterback, but with the offense and with when you get down to this. And again, I mentioned Gamble in the blast, but they actually were talking about that yesterday that, hey, you know what? At least they got through a game without burning timeouts needlessly. And that's an awful low bar to hit. It is, especially going into week 10. That's an awful low bar to hit. Speaking of solace, the solace of going out on the road is not the same for this team either. The last two times they've left and played road games, they've lost those games. That's true. And so it's can they find the the, because you got to believe the Rams are going to have some urgency for I mean, for Jalen Ramsey to drop a WTF on the offense, which is what he did repeatedly. Uh, You got to think that there's going to be something 
There's going to be some fire. 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 There's going to be a fire. There's going to be some fire coming off the Rams this weekend. And the Cardinals, if they, if this is really a must-win game, <laughs> another one of those, Vinny. Yeah. If this is really, if this is really the end of the road, the last chance cafe for this team, that they, then they've got to start by matching the urgency. And again, I don't, I don't know if they've got the belief to do it. You know what? There's always that San Francisco game in Mexico. Yeah, we can wait till, yeah, wait till next week. Time for Character Counts, presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Today's nominee is Notre Dame Prep Senior Andrew Rowe. Andrew's a great athlete and scholar and has been selected as a lacrosse Under Armour American three consecutive times, recently awarded the Heisman High School Scholarship for his excellence on the field and in the classroom. But Andrew's true pre- passion lies in his advocacy for juvenile arthritis. Andrew has been dealing with the form of the disease for years and in between visits to Phoenix Children's has done everything he can to spread awareness. The Arthritis Foundation selected Andrew as a junior ambassador. He has been featured in numerous stories from medical publications and has taken part in health fairs, fundraising runs, and more. Andrew committed to Lindenwood University to play lacrosse and will continue helping children through various foundations. Well done to Andrew Rowe. This week's nominee for Character Counts, which is presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical, and they're looking for their next student athlete, could be Andrew. To win a $10,000 scholarship, text Character to 620 to nominate a student today. Uh, you can also text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line on anything we've discussed today. It's open at 620-620 right now. Social Studies with Sarah Cazell is up ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.